spiritual disease that's bigger than you. Amen. Uh, and many times people do that. You know, they, they ended up dying early uh, because uh, instead, of, instead of approaching the Lord and getting help from him, they think, well, I could just I could just take care of this myself. Right. And so just be careful about that, that, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how big or small the sickness is. Use your faith to overcome it uh, and train yourself to do that. Amen. So that uh, if and when it does come. Because the symptoms of these things oftentimes will come and there's no real sickness behind the symptoms. The devil somehow uh, can uh, put a symptom upon you and, and he's hoping that he can get your words to, to hook up with his symptom. Well, here it comes, right? And, and, uh, and then suddenly there's sickness, and real sickness in our lives, amen? And, um, you know, I was thinking about, uh, we'll, we'll take just a, a short journey uh, here just real quick. I was thinking about the, you know, there's a doctrine that goes around, and, and you know, we've all heard it many times, but, and it, it relates to sickness and disease, it relates to a lot of different things, where we hear that it says that, well, God allowed that to happen, right? Sometimes somebody gets sick, and someone says, well, God allowed that to happen. And, you know, for a long time, I've known that that's not a correct doctrine, you know, and in fact, I say I don't like, I don't like to use that doctrine, uh, but... I've uh, not struggled so much, but didn't really have a really good way to explain why that, uh, that doctrine doesn't fit with the Word of God. And I was actually listened to, to somebody uh, a message just the other day, uh, and they said something about that same doctrine. They said that God allowed that. As soon as they said it, the Lord showed me, well, here's, uh, here's why that's wrong, and here's how to explain why that's wrong. And um, so let's, let's go back to the book of Job really, really quick, uh, because I don't like to say that God allowed something to happen. Amen. Um, I, I like to say that, uh, um, you know, that God was frustrated in not being able to help us, which is, you know, more accurate and more, more biblical, right? Uh, and so, so here, here we are, um, and uh, we're in, in the book of Job, and uh, let's start in, um, um, well, let's see, let's start in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. And it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And, and Satan answered the Lord, uh, From going forth to and fro the earth, and from walking up and down, uh, up and down it. Uh, and so, now, they're standing before the Lord now. Uh, are we in the Old Testament or New Testament? We're in the Old Testament, right? So they're standing up before the Lord, right? And, and the, the assumption is it's in heaven in front of his throne. So they're standing before the Lord here. Um, and, and that doesn't happen anymore. Because once Jesus died, uh, if you, and we're not going to go into that because that would be, I mean, we're already on a rabbit trail. That'd be like a whole rabbit forest, you know, we'd be in way down the, uh, but if you remember after Jesus died, the Bible says that he took his own blood to heaven and cleansed the heavenly utensils, right? So, uh, so that means if, if something needs to be cleansed, what's wrong with it? It's dirty, right? So the, so the heavenly utensils had gotten sullied or dirtied in heaven. How is that possible? Well, where was Lucifer before he, he was thrown out? He was in heaven, right? He visited heaven. Now, his, his uh, kingdom was on the earth, but he was thrown out of heaven. And, and so when sin was found in him, everything he had touched in heaven uh, became touched by sin, right? So it had to be cleansed. So, uh, and so between that point in time until the cross, then they were still going back and forth to heaven. But once everything was cleaned in heaven then he was no longer qualified to go to, go to heaven and visit the Lord. Uh, so he's not doing this anymore, just so, just, just so you know that, right? But here he is, and he said, I've just been walking around up and down the earth. And the Lord said unto him in verse 8, uh, 
hast thou considered my servant Job, and there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man, upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth or avoids evil. Uh, and of course, uh, Satan answered him and said, Doth Job fear God for nothing? Hast not thou made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? And hast thou blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in thy land? But put forth, thy, but put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said, so it, did the Lord touch him? The Lord didn't touch him. The Lord said, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. So whose power is everything that Job has? It's in the, the power of Satan, right? In Satan's power. Only upon himself put none forth thine hand. So Satan went forth in the presence of the Lord. And immediately then his, his sons and uh, daughters died, and a lot of bad things happened. And you fast forward over to chapter 2, uh, and similar things there. Uh, the, the Satan said the same thing in verses 4 and 5. In verse 5, he said, But put forth thine hand and touch his bone and his flesh. So now, uh, before he couldn't put sickness on him, but now uh, Satan's telling him, The Lord put sickness on him. And, and it says in verse 6, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand. Well, whose hands is he in? He's in, he's in Satan's hands, right? In verse 6, the Lord tells Satan, Behold, Job is in your hands, but save his life. In other words, I'm going to put a limit on that, uh, but you can't go beyond putting sickness and disease on him. The point of all of this is when the Lord said in both cases, he said, Behold, he is in your hand. Uh, and then he put a constraint on him. The first time, don't put sickness on him. The second time, don't take his life. But in both cases, the Lord spoke to him and said, Behold, he is in your hand. Now, the, the thing you've got to, uh, if you read it carefully, it never says, behold, I have put him in your hand, right? And it never says, behold, I allow him to be in your hands. He just said, behold, he is in your hands. So why, why is uh, Job in the hands of the devil? Well, you know, if, if you go to, over to chapter 3 and verse 25, it says, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. So it was Job, although Job hated evil, right? He didn't like evil. He, he wasn't an evil man. He was a righteous man, right? He was the greatest man of the East. But was he perfect in his faith? And he said, That which I feared the most has come upon me. So what was he afraid of? I don't want to lose all my stuff, and I, and I don't want to lose any of my children, and, and I don't want to ever get sick, but I'm afraid I might. Uh, and, and he lived in it. He said, that which I feared the most. So all of those things that have happened to him. Now, so what did he fear the least? I don't know. You know, it could have been like, you know, termites or something that didn't happen, right? You know, those things didn't happen to him. But these things happened to him. So he, he was afraid of all of these things, right? And how many times are people afraid of, of uh, becoming broke or becoming uh, uh, sick or losing your family, uh, and they're afraid of that. And instead of enjoying the family, instead of enjoying the prosperity, instead of enjoying their health, they're afraid of losing all those things, which is a, such a waste of time, right? And, and uh, what does Ephesians 4.27 say? It's a neither give place to the devil. So, so here, here's, the, here's the way to answer that. People say God allowed that. Uh, that implies that somebody went to the Lord and got permission and, and to... to uh, Lord, I want to come and put sickness on somebody. And God says, yes, I give you permission. But that's not what God did here with, with uh, Job. God only, all God did was reveal to Satan that 
Job was in Satan's hands. He didn't give him permission to do these things to Satan. He just gave him the revelation that he was in his hands. Well, why did he give him a revelation? Because he would have figured out anyway. Uh, uh, the devil would have figured out, oh, I can go and, and let's just put a small sickness on him. Oh, it took. How, well, how did it take? Well, he didn't realize uh, that Job had already given license to him, that Job had given license to the devil to operate in his life by his fear. And so there was no permission needed from the Lord to do that. The Lord showed the devil that he was at, well, well why did he do that? He would have figured out anyway. The devil would have figured out that Job was in his hands if, if he had just kept on in, uh, you know, going against Job. He would have figured out that, oh, uh, Job has given us permission somehow. There's a little gap in, in the protection from the Lord because of Job's fear. So Job would have, uh, uh, Lucifer would have figured it out anyway. So the Lord wasn't really doing anything. He just got it started so that it could get to an end quicker. Uh, and, uh, and so the whole point of it is, uh, nobody's going to the Lord. The devil's not going to the Lord and say, do I have permission to harm Job? And, and the Lord's not ever responding. Yes, I give you permission. Yes, I allow this to happen. The Lord's not ever doing that. The Lord didn't do that here with Job. He didn't allow it to happen. Who allowed it to happen? Job did. The Bible didn't say uh, to the Lord, don't give place to the devil. He told us to not give place to the devil. So if, if anybody's allowing it, it's us. We're the ones allowing it. Uh, by our words and our actions and whatever we do, is allowing the, the devil to operate in our lives. The devil's not going to the Lord. In fact, he can't go to the Lord uh, anymore anyway. But even in the case when he went to the Lord, he did not get permission from the Lord to attack Job. Job gave the devil permission to attack him. And so I don't even like that phrase, that God allowed it to happen. Yes, God allowed it, but that, see, that, when I hear that, I, it implies somebody went to the Lord and got a permission slip. Uh, to allow uh, uh, the devil to do something in our lives that he couldn't do unless the Lord approved it. The Lord's not approving any permission slip from the devil to operate in your life. Uh, you're doing that, amen? I'm doing that. Uh, and so uh, let's not use unbiblical phrases to explain the Lord. If anything, uh, we should say, I gave license to the devil to operate in my life. But that makes us look bad, so we don't want to do that. So we want to push it off on the Lord's fault. It's the Lord allowed this to happen in so-and-so's life. The Lord never allows anything to happen. Uh, the Lord's not giving permission to anybody to harm his children. Amen. And so let's not use phrases like that because uh, it's an easy phrase. And, and I understand that the intent is, well, God allowed it to happen. Um, like, uh, like um, you know, he's in heaven deciding these things and somebody's getting permission. It's just, it's just to me, it's a really sloppy way of explaining the Lord because uh, if he's allowing it to happen, it implies that he could disallow it to happen. He could have just said no. But the Lord's not in heaven going, it's okay, go ahead. Go, you go ahead, yeah, that's fine. No, there's no, no, no that, that interaction's not going on, amen? Uh, the devil will come and he'll, he'll try to find a hole in your, in, in, in your, in your confession. Uh, you know, your confession may be perfectly fine, except on Wednesdays. You know, I, I do great, except Wednesdays, I really have a hard time with sickness on Wednesdays. Oh, well, uh, then there's an opening right there, right? And uh, anybody ever say anything dumb like that? I only have sickness on Wednesdays. No, hopefully you're not doing that, right? But if you're doing that, then that would be an opening uh, that the devil could use, right? Neither give place to the devil. And so uh, if we can at least get our doctrine right and get our words right and get our understanding correct, see, then we can get out of it quicker, amen? Because if we gave place to the devil, we can just revoke that license, you know, if we, gave, if we gave permission to the devil, we can revoke that permission. Okay, 
that's enough. You're not going to do that anymore. Uh, but if the Lord's allowing that, who, who do you complain to? Uh, what higher power do you go to get to revoke that permission that the Lord gave the devil to operate in your life? But there's no one else to go to, so you're stuck. So the Lord doesn't give permission. He didn't give permission to, to Lucifer here with, with uh, Job. Uh, he did reveal to, to the Lucifer, but I don't think even that's a big deal because he would have figured it out. Lucifer would have figured out eventually that, oh, I've got access to Job's life. Uh, but, he, but the Lord still constrained him, uh, save his life, don't, don't touch his body before, save his life on the second part. Uh, and, uh, and the thing is, uh, the Lord makes the rules. And, and Lucifer, even in his sin, did not violate the rules of God. The Lord will put a limit on things out of his mercy but his mercy can only extend so far, and his mercy wasn't able to extend all the way past Job's fear, but it was able to, to extend to, to not uh, end his life early on the earth. That implies then to me, when you read that, when I read that, it, it shows that you know, the, first, the first case where uh, the Lord put a constraint on, on Lucifer that you can't go to where you touch his body. So that means he did everything else. He killed all of his children, lost all of his wealth, all of that, but he wasn't sick. And then he came back, and Job didn't repent. Job, you know, Job didn't repent until Job chapter 42, so he was a little slow. So Job stayed in his sin, and you know, the longer you stay in sin, the more you open yourself up to the devil. Uh, Satan went back to the Lord, and now the mercy uh, wasn't able to, to limit sickness in his body. The mercy had to go past sickness in his body. So in other words, the, Lord, the Lord's mercy was still there only up to the uh, ending of his life. So before it was there so that he couldn't get uh, sick, but then mercy was unable to continue there. Uh, the Lord's mercy slipped, not on the Lord's fault, but on Job's fault. The mercy of the Lord was, was only limited up to the, the ending of his life. And so that tells you then that mercy can extend to a certain point, but we don't know where that is. And you don't know where that is. It depends on where, what you've been doing in your life. And so you have to be careful of, well, I'm just going to depend on the mercy of the Lord and live however I want to. Well, that's great, but you don't know where that nut line is. It shifted with Job, didn't it? It started at one place. It shifted, got worse, uh, because Job didn't repent. He stayed in his sin of fear. He stayed in his sin of his, of his bad confession. And mercy then was constrained. And, and uh, in my guess, if, it, if he hadn't repented in 42, there may never have been a Job 43. It may have said instead that Job uh, uh, went home to be with the Lord. In Job chapter 43, if, if Job had, because the mercy of the Lord would not, would no doubt have not been able to keep up even to his life on the earth. Uh, and so, and so we can learn from that and we should learn from that. Uh, but let's not use unbiblical phrases like God allowed that because that implies God, yes, I give you permission. The Lord has no desire to give anybody permission uh, to harm you. The only person, in fact, that can give uh, permission to harm you is you. Amen. And the Lord's not doing that. And so, and I'm not mad at the, the minister because I've heard that, you know, really all of my Christian life that, the Lord, well, the Lord allowed that. I just, it's, it's, it's sloppy doctrine, amen? Uh, and, uh, and that's no, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, to um, criticize anybody in particular for using that phrase. I hear many people say that phrase, God allowed that to happen. God doesn't allow, allow these things to happen. You allow these things to happen, Amen. And if you allow them, then you can disallow them. And, and I disallow the devil to operate in my life in sickness and disease. Amen. Uh, I do not allow him to do that. And the Lord, may, the, the Lord may show you, well, by you doing this or you saying that, you allowed him to do that. So you need to change or repent of those two things 
and then, then, then you'll have the moral authority to declare that the devil doesn't have a right to do that. You'll be taking the uh, license away from the devil by the actions that you do. Amen. So, you know, sometimes the Lord can help you if you're the one who did it, uh, because later on, he's, the Lord spends a whole chapter or two with Job at the end of the book and shows him how, you know, you, you, you were in fear because you thought you could control everything. And can you control anything? And then the Lord spent a couple of chapters showing Job, can you control anything? Well, no. Well, then you need to understand, I'm the one who controls things. And finally, Job understood that. Uh, and, and he repented in, in uh, sackcloth and ashes uh, and understood finally, even though I'm, I'm a very powerful man, I'm, I'm a very wealthy man, I can't do it. I'm not capable of withstanding the onslaught of the enemy. I need the Lord in my life. So uh, it took him a long time and he was slow to get there, but, uh, uh, but he did get there, amen? So uh, can you do these things on your own? No, you need the Lord, don't you? And I'm okay with that, right? A wise person understands that uh, someone greater than himself uh, can help them, amen? An unwise person says, I can do it on my own. I've got this. Uh, and how many times have, have all of us been unwise at times in our lives? I got this. Why do you, why you got this? Why don't you say, we've got this? Well, you know, why don't you and the Lord, well, you know, why are you trying to do this on your own? Well, you know, I've, I, I don't need to bother the Lord. Is he ever bothered? He's the great king, right? He's not ever bothered. You know, we're his very own children. Amen. And so, so I just thought you'd enjoy that, you know, that uh, to me it was a good revelation, you know, because I've been trying to find a way to explain that. To, and the key was when you say God allows it, that implies that God gave permission. That someone asked to, to bring harm into our lives, asked the Lord to do that, and the Lord chose to say, yes, you, you have permission uh, to go harm them. And, uh, and also implying that if I don't give you permission, you can't do that. Well, that's not, none of that's accurate, right? It's only accurate that, that we gave permission for those things to happen. Amen. Uh, and so we did, so we did finish up chapter nine about going to the other side. Uh, we didn't get to the questions. So you guys want to go over some questions then and we'll get into chapter 10. Uh, and so uh, there's only a few questions in this chapter. And the question, first question is, it says, since Jesus said, let us go, let us go over, the disciples should have known that they could not go what? Under, Under right? Um, and, you know, a lot of times God will say something and, and you know, kind of like with the, the guys here, oh, he just said that, you know. He didn't imply any faith with that. He just said that. And, uh, and yet the Lord doesn't say things for no reason. Amen. And so when he said, let us go over the other side, then, then there was no going under, but they didn't understand it to that level of faith. Uh, and question number two says, what did Abraham do under utterly hopeless circumstances? He hopefully believed, right? Uh, and so what should we do under utterly hopeless circumstances? Hopefully believe, right? I don't see any way out. The Lord does. You're not required to see the, see the way out. The Lord's required to see the way out. Amen. Our, our responsibility is to hopefully believe. Amen. And not in the, the, well, I hope it works out. That's wishing believe, right? That's the same thing as wishing. Hopefully believe is based on faith. Uh, well, the Lord, has always, the Lord has always delivered us. He will yet deliver us. That's hopefully believing, amen? Uh, what was Paul's response to all hope that we should be saved was taken away? But be of good cheer. You know, people think you're crazy, right? You're looking at the storm and they're on the ship. And there's no way to get out. There's no way they're going to be saved. There's no way they can make it to dry land. 
And Paul, the crazy Paul, says, well, be of good cheer. Well, what's wrong with you, Paul? Did you, did you, did you uh, fall on your head or something? Have you not looked outside uh, at all today? Be of good cheer, amen? Uh, and one other way to say that, all is well, right? Uh, and so, uh, in the midst of our troubles, what questions should we ask? What's that? Is he on board? Is he the captain? Yeah, that's, that's true, right? Um, uh, that's actually the second question, right? So you've got, you've got an answer uh, that's correct, though. Um, uh, is Jesus on board? Uh, what question did they ask? Uh, what, what question did the disciples ask? And, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I always think that's an amazing... Can you imagine asking the Lord that question? Lord, don't you care that we're all going to die here? What's the, what do you think his answer is going to be? Nah. No. Nah. I'm on my way to heaven. I don't know what you boys, but I'm on my way to heaven anyway, so I'm going to die. You know, all this, you know we're, we're fine, right? No. Uh, and, and so oftentimes in the midst of difficulty, you know, the, the questions that we ask will reveal the faith that we're in. Amen? Uh, and so, um, uh, so the, the men said, Master, care, so we perish. Uh, what they should have said is, is Jesus with us? And if the answer was yes, then they'd be like, oh, then no big deal, right? Because if Jesus is with us, you think they would perish? I mean, they had seen him many times uh, walk in the midst of, of, uh, of uh, um, persecution and things. Never once was able to be harmed. Uh, and so is Jesus on board? Amen. So what question are you asking the Lord today? Um, and that's between you and the Lord, right? Uh, your question should be, is Jesus on board? What's the second question, Ms. Doris, that, that we should ask? Is he the captain, right? Is he in charge? Because if he's in charge, then, you know, then we're good, because who's ever in charge is responsible, amen? So Jesus, is, is he the captain? He is the captain, right? And the question for us, then, is he the captain of our life? If he's the captain of your life, then he's in charge, amen? If he's in charge, then all is well, Amen. If he's not in charge, if you go look up at the captain's seat and it's empty, that's when you should start getting a little nervous, right? Oh, Jesus is my captain. You know? uh, don't you love those bumper, bumper stickers? Jesus is my co-pilot. You think Jesus is going to uh, depend on you to get him there? Hey, no way. You're his, he's your co-pilot. That means you're the pilot and he's the co-pilot, right? That means you're in charge and he's second fiddle. Uh, I don't think so, right? Uh, Jesus is your co-pilot, you know? Jesus is like, I ain't riding with you uh, unless I'm in charge. There's no way I'm going to put you in charge of the earth, right? And, and, uh, or even your own life. And <clears throat> I mean, that's just, you know, I, we try to be so spiritual, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's such a dumb statement. Jesus is my co-pilot, right? Uh, and so, anyway, all is well, right? Um, <clears throat> so that, that ended, that, that finished up the, uh, chapter 9 there. And then uh, let's turn over to the book of Acts chapter 9, and we'll get started there today. So, um, <clears throat> Uh, let's see. So Acts chapter 9, of course, we know earlier uh, what other major event occurred in the book of Acts chapter 9. What, ro- what famous road occurred in Acts chapter 9? Yeah, on what road? Anybody know the name of the road? Highway 27? No, it's road to Damascus, right? And so that, that, uh, that happened earlier in Acts chapter 9. So you know, so Paul just got converted in Acts chapter 9 at the earlier part. So, the, uh, you know, as you progress on in the book of Acts, once you get to about Acts chapter 15, it's pretty much just the story of the ministry of Paul. 
Uh, but uh, the ministry of Paul didn't start until Acts chapter 9. As soon as he got saved, he says in verse 20, that straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Uh, and so Paul immediately started preaching as soon as he was, uh, well, not as soon as he was converted because he was actually blind. So as soon as he received his sight after a few days, then he immediately went preaching. So his ministry starts here in, in Acts chapter 9. But Peter's ministry has been continuing on throughout this time. Uh, and we get down to, uh, to verse 32, and it says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwell at Lydda. Uh, and there was a certain man named Aeneas, uh, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ, maketh thee whole, arise, and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. Uh, and it says, And all that dwelt at Lydda... And Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. I want to read the, the, uh, those verses in uh, another translation as well. It says, Now as Peter, as he went down, uh, as he went to town after town, came, uh, came down also to God's people at Lud. There he found a man uh, of the name of Aeneas, who for eight years had kept his bed through being paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ cures you. Rise and make your bed. He at once rose to his feet and all the people of Lud and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. So um, in, in this case here, uh, we'll look at some, some other uh, verses that she mentions here. Uh, but first of all, one of the things that I like to do in, in these stories of healing is I like to look at it, uh, just kind of meditate on it. You know, how did this happen, right? What was the method of healing that they used? Uh, how did they go about doing it? Was there any prayers offered up? you know, uh, was there any laying on of hands? And, and in this case, uh, it just says, Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ, make thee whole, arise and make thy bed. So was there any laying, laying on of hands in this case? Was there any anointing of oil? Was there any prayer cloths offered here? Was there any prayer to heaven? Lord, please heal him. No, this was a, a simple declaration of the authority that Peter walked in. Jesus Christ makes these whole. So that should show, what that shows me is then that's, that's one way that we can provide healing to people is, you know, we don't have to always lay hands on people, amen? And sometimes we kind of get in a rut that we have to lay hands on them. And of course, is there anything wrong with laying hands on the sick? No, Jesus told us in the Great Commission to do that. But didn't he tell, wasn't Peter there in Mark 16 when he gave him the Great Commission? Uh, Peter was there, right? So is Peter in rebellion here? Well, the Lord should lay hands on a sick. And Peter didn't lay hands on anybody. So Peter's just rebellious. Well, you think rebellion would get somebody healed? I don't, yeah, I don't think Peter would get it. So the thing that you've got to appreciate is the Lord's not trying to turn everything into a law. right? We want to turn everything into a law that sickness can only be recovered from by the laying on of hands. Because that's what Jesus said in Mark 16. Well, he said that, but he didn't mean that that's the only way ever that uh, we'll ever use to, to provide healing for people. Uh, there are other methods, you know, uh, and, but it's a, good, it's, a good, uh, it's a good method, nothing wrong with it, but it's not the only method, amen? Uh, and so the, the point wasn't to make a law out of the, the believers shall lay hands on a sick. The point was that they shall recover, amen? Uh, and so how, how we do that, we need to be uh, led by the Spirit of God in how we do that. So it was just a declaration of authority, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> so 
she does mention uh, Psalm 119 uh, here, and I'll just read a couple of verses about that. Uh, and and, and uh, Dr. Yeomans wanted to make a point about um, uh, using the Word of God in your sickness and disease. Uh, and so it says here in Psalm 119, verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And verse 27 says, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so I shall, take, uh, so I shall talk of thy wondrous works. And of course, we know Jesus said in John 8, 32, And shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So in these things, you know, one, one method also of obtaining healing is just through the word of God, knowing that Jesus is our healer. And, and if that's the case, so if you really know that Jesus is your healer and that we have the authority, then a lot of what we can do is to just declare out of our own mouth, like Peter did in this example, is I'm the healed of God. Uh, and instead of praying or laying hands, and, and look, there has been times when uh, the Lord has showed me in my own life to lay hands on my own sickness uh, and to declare my healing, and that's fine. But most of the time, uh, when I'm uh, dealing with any kind of sickness or disease in my own life, I will use the same method that Peter used here, which is a, a direct uh, declaration of authority. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, now, uh, as a result of that, that's in verses 32 through 34, uh, as a result of Peter doing this, it says, And all that dwelt at Lydda and, and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. So there, there was a... Uh, a revival that broke out because of that, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, that's one of the benefits of, uh, of the Lord operating supernaturally is people find out about it and come to the Lord, right? It says that uh, uh, they turn to the Lord. Well, why do they turn to the Lord? Because God's real. You know, the world wants to know that God's real. And, you know, the whole world right now, they are, they are all spirit beings, right? Every human being is a spirit being. And so their spirits are all crying out and asking the question, is God real? Is God real? And then uh, the Lord will go to a certain place. You know, uh, Paul just found this, or Peter just found this one fellow here. Uh, he'd been sick for eight years. And palsy, which is a creeping paralysis, is some type of a paralysis, you know, it starts attacking people's bodies. And um, I don't know what that would uh, uh, be today in our language and in our knowledge of, of medicine. But it's, it was a creeping paralysis, so eventually they would be completely bedridden and, and not be able to, uh, to do anything. And this fellow had been in this state for eight years. And so the Lord knew this. The Lord knows these things. And so you know, he may just go to a location and pick one person out of the crowd and then have everybody turn to the Lord. You know? And a lot of times what happens is the Lord, the Lord will pick out one person, they'll get healed, and then uh, a bunch of other people will come and get healed because of that. That they wouldn't have gone to, they wouldn't have done if uh, if uh, somebody else hadn't gone there first. <clears throat> and so the Lord used uh, this fellow here, Aeneas, to uh, as an example to be healed, right? And uh, of course, uh, you may know this. Uh, uh, you may know this more than I know this, but uh, in, in reading this, I don't know why it was important for Aeneas to make his bed. Right? Why, why is that a thing? Right? Now you just got healed, but now make your bed. Right? I mean. You know, go clean out your sock drawer or something, you know. Uh, what's that? I guess it's a good thing to do, right? And so uh, I guess you're paralyzed for eight years. First thing you got to do is make your bed. It's like, I don't want to make my bed before I was paralyzed, right? And so what's, uh, you make your bed, right? And so you see some people make their bed every day, right? Uh, and uh, I, I, think, I think I'm kind of spoiled on that because I was, I was under um, 
uh, uh, the conscription for several years of my life growing up that I had to make my brother's bed, uh, and he made me make his bed every day. Uh, and so uh, his name wasn't Aeneas, though. So, uh, But um, anyway, you know, that's not really a deep doctrinal question, but it's, it's a small question, though. You know, why is it important, right? Make your bed. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe so, you know, that, uh, I mean, you know, the times he said to feed him, right, or to get up and, I mean, you know, remember when, uh, when the Lord healed Peter's uh, you know, mother-in-law, she got up, made him dinner, you know, and, and of course, some people, I can't believe you're making this, you just got better, now your first thing you do is making her fix her food, well, we're hungry, you know, and, uh, and so, I'm, I bet she wanted to, because that was not uncommon, you know, for the, well, I like See, I, I like that right there, right there. It's a sick bed, bed of sickness. It's going to make that bed, right? Uh, we don't need that sick bed anymore, right? So <clears throat> I'm sure that that's the answer right there. <laughs> it doesn't tell us, but, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll go with that one right there, right? A sick bed of sickness, so make that bed. You know, we don't need that bed no more. So, uh, and then, uh, of course, what, what did Peter say uh, to him that Jesus Christ cures you? Right, and um, uh, that's in, in the Weymouth translation. Uh, in the King James, it says that uh, Jesus makes you whole. Right, so uh, that's the that's the uh, that's the type of healing that the Lord does is whole. Now, one thing that we find we're in Acts chapter nine. Uh, let's turn to back to, uh, to chapter eight there. Um, and, and one of the things that we see. All through the ministry of Jesus and all through the ministry of the book of Acts, we only see that when people were healed, they were totally healed, right? There was no partial healing, uh, right? So, uh, you know, uh, Aeneas here had, uh, was paralyzed, right, in, in a bed of sickness. And, you know, he didn't just get, well, we're going to, uh, you got one leg, so you're still paralyzed in the other leg. So uh, you still need a bed, but you only need half a bed. So Aeneas, go make half your bed, right? No, he was made whole, so it was 100% healing, right? It wasn't a, wasn't a partial healing. What we do see uh, in the, both in the ministry of Jesus uh, and, uh, and really more in that because we have more examples of that is that some, some healings took time, right? There was a time from the time that Jesus spoke it to the time it was fully manifested. Uh, and that wasn't because Jesus didn't have enough power. It just, you know, it just, it just is what it is, right? But in every case, whether it was instantaneous or some time transpired, was it always complete? It was always complete, right? Uh, and so, um, so, so that's one thing that our faith can be. If we're praying for somebody, then we pray for complete and total healing, right? We don't pray for, Lord, just make them better, right? Make them better. Now, uh, you know, uh, there have been times, and, and uh, I remember that one time in particular, you know, I can't, I can't always pray for everybody else, right? It depends on, uh, it, you know, if somebody has been uh, in the charismatic world for 50 years and they've heard, they've heard the messages for 50 years and they just don't want to believe God on their own, it's really hard for me to pray for somebody like that. Not because I don't want to, but because the Lord has an expectation for them that, okay, you, you've heard the word of, of faith message for 50 years. What are you doing with that? Well, I'm not doing anything with it. Well, then, then neither am I, right? And, and so, you know, the Lord does, does have an expectation on our part that, that um, if we know the word, that we need to operate in the word, amen? And that's not to say that, you know, there, there's been plenty of times when, 
when, you know, the Lord's healed me, I can't tell you how many times, right? But on occasion, there's been things, and it's not happened in many years, but there's, you know, something that's not, not having success. I'll go have somebody lay hands on me. You know, I've got no problem with that at all, amen? I don't think, well, it's just my, my bed. I'm going to lie hard in it. No, I, that's, that's foolishness. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting help on occasion. But even, even in that, I'm not asking them to do the, all the work for me. I'm asking them to help me, amen? And, you know, add your faith to my faith. My faith is still to be healed. So, you know, just be careful about it. But there have been times when, when I knew I couldn't, I couldn't pray for somebody for their total healing. But I've even prayed, Lord, uh, just give them a good day. You know, because they've been feeling bad for, for months, you know, that may be in a terminal situation. And, uh, and then I did pray that for, uh, for a friend of mine one time. And they went and visited him. And they said, I have had the best. I have not felt this good in so long. Uh, and, you know, I didn't say, well, it's because I prayed for you, you know. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you, you can't do that. But that's, you know, dealing with other people like that. But uh, what we do find, uh, you know, the Lord will always heal 100%. But uh, we do find here, let's, uh, let's start here in Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Uh, it says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So Philip is Philip the evangelist, right? So Philip, he, he started out as Philip the deacon two chapters ago in chapter 6. He's not called Philip the evangelist until Acts chapter 20 or so. So uh, right here, he's really still a, a deacon operating under the authority of, of, the, of, the, uh, 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 of the apostles. But he went down to the city of Samaria uh, and preached Christ unto them. And it says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came, uh, came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies uh, and that were lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. So the same result here that there was great joy in the city happened also with Peter, right, with Aeneas uh, there. The point here is says that many that were possessed and many that were taken with palsies so not everybody that, had, that, were, that was possessed and not everybody that had palsies were healed. Amen? Uh, and really, in this case, uh, where it says palsies and them that were lame, you know, palsies is, uh, is um, uh, paralysis. And, and being lame could come about from some type of a, of a paralysis as well. So a uh, couple of things j- j- for the whole point of this discussion is... Um, even in the ministry that God has for you, even in, in your, uh, you laying hands on people, there may be areas that you're effective at that you're not effective with in other areas, right? But also, uh, except for the Lord Jesus, you know, it's rare that, that any human being on the earth will ever get everybody healed in a situation. Uh, oftentimes, like in this case, uh, there was nobody with, with cancers that were healed, no lepers that were healed, no blind eyes that were healed, no deaf ears that were healed, only people with a similar sicknesses, right? Palsies and, and, um, and lame, right? So they, they didn't have the ability to move. So does that mean that God doesn't want to heal those people? No, he does want to heal those people. It's just that uh, because, uh, first of all, Jesus had the spirit without measure, in, according to John 3, 34, which means that you and I have the spirit by measure. We, only, we don't have as much of the anointing as Jesus, and I think there's reasons for that. It's not that God is withholding from it. I don't know that we could physically contain the amount of healing power that Jesus operated in because of we have the sin nature in our bodies. Jesus didn't have that. So I think there's going to be a limit 
on our physical bodies how much of the anointing that we can operate in in order to deliver that to the people. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, if you remember over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it says one of, one of the gifts of the Spirit is gifts of healings. And so it's plural in both, gifts and healings. So that means there's multiple gifts for, for all the different types of healings. So uh, the Lord may, may grant you access to the gift of healing for palsies and being lame, but he may not give you the, the gift to heal blindness and, and being deaf. That's not a constraint. It's not God trying to hold you back. It's just that's as much as, as your particular life can, can handle, right? Uh, and so uh, the point of that is that we need all of us. You know, we need to work together. Amen. And uh, what we find is, uh, you know, Brother Hagen was talking about this one time. He said he's, he has a lot of success with uh, cancers, especially tumorous cancers. And, and then uh, like F.F. F. Bosworth, we, we read uh, his book, Christ the Healer. He was very effective at getting deaf people healed. He said if he's ever had a blind person healed, he doesn't know about it, but he'll, he'll have a dozen uh, deaf people in a meeting and pray for them, and they'll all get healed. Uh, and so it's just, you know, we, we see that, you know, we see hints of that in the Word of God, uh, and then we see, um, we see that in, in, uh, in action in our individual lives as well. Amen? So the Lord will make you whole. If you get healed, it's a, it's a complete deal. Right? But that doesn't mean that everybody uh, in the audience will get that healing, right? Sometimes it happens, but oftentimes, just like with this exact, exact example right here with... Uh, Philip, he was only able to get people with palsy and being lame healed. No blind, no deaf, no, no um, um, uh, cancers, you know, no, no um, leprosy, none of that healed, right? But if, you, but if you're lame, uh, then, um, um, then you could be healed, amen? In fact, if you go on down, we won't go there, but if you go on down, uh, uh, nobody was prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, right? And if you remember, Peter and John came down to the city of Samaria and prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's when um, the uh, Simon got in trouble there with all that, right? When he saw that and offered them money to do that. Uh, well, why is that? Well, you know, uh, the, the, the thing about it that we, we can know is we, we know, generally speaking, that by faith, you know, we can really pray for anything, right? But if there's a specific anointing to do something, then we need to yield to that, right? If, so there's, if there's a special anointing to heal, to, to pray for, the lame and the paralyzed, then that's what you should yield to because that's what the, the Spirit of God wants to manifest in that way, then yield to that. And what you'll find is he may want to manifest himself primarily in your life in that one area, whatever that area is. Uh, and so you, if, if, he, uh, if he manifests, then go with that, amen? But you can always, you can always pray the prayer of faith. That, that's, that's always a given. The prayer of faith will always work. But the anointing of God that's a special uh, manifestation of his Spirit may be limited in certain areas, right? Certain number of people, because it says many that were possessed, many that had palsies, many that were lame, but not all of them were healed, amen? Uh, and, and, uh, and so that's not God withholding things, that's just, that's just the way it is, amen? And so that's why we need the whole body of Christ. And so if you know somebody who's really good at get, getting this particular sickness and disease healed, then that's who you should go to, right? Uh, that the Lord will manifest uh, in that particular area. So. So uh, Aeneas wasn't partially healed. He, he didn't just walk with a limp from that point on. He was 100% made whole, amen? And so anytime the Lord does heal, uh, it's always 100% um, uh, healing, amen? It's not partial healing. Uh, 
Uh, and so, so she wanted to bring out that point about, the, you know, depending on the, on the word of God, depending on, on, um, um, on what God says and having insight into that. And uh, let's turn over to Luke chapter 4. You know, and Jesus, he was never, he was never afraid to declare uh, faith, amen? He was never afraid to declare uh, what he believed. Uh, and so uh, Jesus is here in uh, Luke chapter 4. And, of course, we know this is right after, um, uh, right after the wilderness experience. And so he says here uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Um, and, and are those things true? That he did all those things? He did all those things, right? Heal the brokenhearted, deliver the captives, recovering the blind, set at liberty. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that, that, that's... Uh, that's a bold statement, but then he goes on down in uh, verse 21 and said, began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So that's pretty bold, right? And, you know, if you're going to work in the area of any kind of miracles, um, uh, any kind of healing uh, work at all, you have to be bold in it and declare this is what's going to happen. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Uh, and, and so, and it's one of the things, you know, uh, you know, we have uh, uh, prayer lines on a, on a regular basis, and we'll say, if, if you want healing, come up, uh, and we'll pray for you, and the Lord will heal you. But sometimes everybody doesn't get healed. But there's still, you know, our faith is that it always happens, amen? Uh, and uh, in, in every situation, uh, especially because of the level of the anointing that we may walk in at any given time, a lot of times it's got something to do with the person that's receiving, amen? Are they in a position to receive? Are they, are they willing to hook up their faith with your faith? Um, and so, uh, so the whole point of all that is the Lord has given us, I believe in the whole body of Christ, we have the same level of anointing in the whole body of Christ as Jesus did, uh, but that means that each individual person will not have that same level of anointing uh, that Jesus had. Uh, uh, but if he, does, if he does heal, then it's, it's a complete healing. And, uh, and that should also help us that um, if, if the healing begins, if the healing process begins, then we should stay in faith until it's completed, amen? Because a lot of times it'll begin, and, and then we'll lose faith. Well, I thought it'd work. I guess it didn't work. And, you know, you, you, your, your big toe can move, but not your whole foot. Well, I thought it was going to work. I guess it didn't. But it was working, right? It, if you'd have stayed with it, he always made him whole, right? It wasn't, he never stopped at the big toe and said, well, you know, that's good enough. Shut up. Uh, no, uh, if you had paralysis, he wanted you to be completely free from paralysis, right? He was never a partial healing God ever, amen? Uh, and so, so, you know, if you're in a situation where you're seeking healing and you've got some relief, you know, thank God for that and uh, say, well, it's not done yet. I'm going to get 100% recovery, amen? If something good happens, you know, don't, don't quit your faith. Well, I guess it's as good as it's going to get. No, it's 100%. Amen. It's always 100%. Uh, and so we'll, we'll pick this up uh, next week and we'll continue on here uh, after Jesus. And, and um, like I said, these, these last several chapters in the book, uh, none of them are that long. And uh, we'll get through the book pretty quick there. And we're, we're, we've already got some other things that we're working on to, uh, to pick up after that. So uh, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. And um, uh, and then we'll go. So, Father, we thank you 
for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, for the work of the Lord Jesus and how you anointed each of us, Father, as you see fit to operate as you desire. And Lord, we thank you that as we do that, we will see the same results, Father. People will be healed and the city will be full of joy. And so, Father, we thank you for the miracle power of heaven that operates in our individual lives, but it operates in your church, Father. So we are the church of the Lord Jesus, and we thank you that it operates in this church. And we give you the praise for that, Father, the honor for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we saw many times in the Word of God where um, uh, the, the healing power of God resulted in a uh, revival, amen? Uh, and um, whose, whose plan was it to do it that way? Well, there was the Lord Jesus, right? Is he the head of the church? Uh, he decides uh, to do that. So if, if he wanted to use miracles as a precursor to, um, to revival, any reason why he wouldn't want to do, to do that today? Same thing, right? And so uh, we thank the Lord for that, amen? Uh, well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you to uh, be praying for Miss Sue. I, I talked to her the other day, and um, she's still dealing with a lot of back pain and discomfort. So uh, be praying for her for that, that uh, she's fully recovered from that. Um, and, um, you know, she dealt with much larger things than that. Uh, but I know back pain can be debilitating, right? Uh, and so be praying for her in that area that uh, she's fully recovered. Amen. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, uh, uh, and so don't forget, of course, uh, um, on Wednesday we, or Thursday, we've got an open house for the church, for the sanctuary there. And so if you'd like to come out there and visit with us, uh, we'd love you to, to come out and just say hi. Uh, and um, uh, what else we have in there? We haven't anything. Uh, we're going to have some refreshments there, right? Yeah, just a few refreshments. Uh, I no, you don't have to bring anything, you know, just, uh, just uh, bring yourself and your friends and uh, your, all your second cousins, you know, of course, we can't say that to Johnny, because you've got 200 second cousins, right, and so and by the time Johnny gets up, he'll have the entire church filled up with his cousins, so, uh, that'd be okay? Okay, we'll bring them on, Johnny, it'd be fine. Um, oh, you got some veggies, so what would you bring today? What did you bring today? Okay, they're in the kitchen. All right, we've got fresh vegetables from the Garden of Johnny there. So help yourself to those. And, and uh, yeah, so if you come out on Thursday, that'd be great. And uh, otherwise, yeah, have a wonderful week. And the Lord will see you all next Sunday, right? Yes. What's that? What's the vegetables? Oh, this? Uh, it's here. We're just going to open house here. They just have an open house for the sanctuary. Because, uh, uh, yeah, we just some of the folks wanted to see from outside the church there. So. Yeah, we're just going to have an open house here on Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, and so, yeah. All right. What's, what's that? All right, y'all leave now. 